This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. How are you doing today? Michael Zuber, One Rental at a Time, and I'm with my good friend and legendary investor, Jonathan Twomley. How are you doing, sir? I just chuckle every time you say that. <laughs> well, you're a legend to me. I will thank you. I appreciate that. There you go. Well, hey, you uh, you have come across a report, actually something I should sign up for and everybody watching this channel should sign up for. It's from the Joint Center of, for Housing Studies talking about America's rental housing. Uh, given we are landlords, I thought we should talk about it. So what what'd you see in the report? Oh, yeah. So well, so this is actually, um, I, so this report has been sitting on my desk for a year and I haven't. <laughs> so I just started digging into it the other day. I actually thought when I started reading it that it was so so the so the Joint Center for Housing Studies puts out a big housing, the state of the nation's housing every June, right? And um, that is a it's a thick like 60 page report. It's very interesting, sort of covers all the different aspects of housing and what's happened over the last year. And so I had printed that out to read it on my vacation and I didn't get to it. And so I came into my office and I started reading what I thought was that, but it was actually last year's uh, state of the America's rental housing, which is a different report that they put out every year, just focusing on rentals only, but very interesting and very interesting to read from the perspective of today, mm-hmm. because everything in here is pre-COVID. So okay. sort of like the state of the state of play before COVID and sort of the snapshot of the market at the time. And there's, so yeah. there's some just very interesting stuff in here i don't know i mean as i forecast some of this to you i don't know if you have stuff you wanted wanted to talk about oh i i first off i think it's very interesting we'll go through some of the numbers and to remember that this is pre-covid because if you've been following this channel you realize that housing appreciation is up right 15 some percent year on year rents up and you know yes i'd say interest rates are down right if you look at year on year so payments may be close to the same but yeah, no, let's talk about some of the numbers because they're um and, and home ownership is up too. Yeah, right. True. Home ownership, the needle bumped up quite a bit over the mm-hmm. last year, but but uh, two or three percent. So now actually back over the long-term historical average, and we've been below it for a long time. Yep. So um so some of the stuff in here is a little bit uh, slightly dated, but I still think really interesting. So one of the little tidbits that came up in this report, this is not a major point of the report, but I thought it was interesting because we're talking about where the growth in renters has come from, right? Where, where are, you know, who are the new renters, you know? And so one interesting thing that came up in this report was, you know, for the last 10 years, or ever since I've been in the business, there has been this steady mantra from the multifamily uh, industry. Millennials don't want to own homes. Yeah. Millennials don't want, they want to rent. They want to rent forever. They will never want to own homes. They don't want homes. Yeah, they're just different. Yeah. They're just different. They're not like, they're not real Americans, right? Like, they're, <laughs> they're, they're like, they're, they're, 
they're just who are they they're just yeah weirdos. they're weirdos yeah they're from mars <laughs> that's right they they subsist on a diet of lattes and avocado toast and, um, oh and they're just not normal people that's like funny and but therefore we're going to make a ton of money because they all they want to do is rent yep and uh, they will never buy a house i always thought that this was like ridiculous and and there was a there was a big study i'll have to find it sometime but there was a big study put out 2014 maybe by the urban land institute about millennials basically blew all that yeah it's all hooey yeah but in this report so really interesting tidbit came up and i should probably shouldn't have forecast this to you yesterday because i can't make you guess now. <laughs> well i'll give you my i'll give you the guess i gave yesterday okay yeah so so came up in this report the highest percentage of millennials who responded to surveys saying that they did not want to own a home ever like yeah. they had no plans to buy a home what do you think the percentage of millennials who said i will never own a home i want to rent for life the grant cardone yeah you know don't buy buy a rental but live in a or buy you know buy a buy a house to rent but live in a rental like yeah. that whole how many what percentage the highest ever in the yeah. history of the poll taking the highest percentage of uh millennials who said no homes no way no how yeah is what what was your guess so it's funny i typed this to you the first time i typed in one third so 33 percent, and i was about to hit sin and i'm like that's too low and i ended up going with 40 percent. i'm like the highest ever I mean, come on, these kids never want to own blah, blah, blah. So I said 40% and I was uh, wrong. <laughs> yeah, you were wrong. And let's see, I posted the group in the, in the questions. Uh, I did a question of the day last night, but um, didn't get a lot of responses because I, I uh, posted it too late. But there, I had a response, 60%, 60% of millennials was the never want to own homes. Yeah. So clearly people have been they, We bought it, Hooks, hook, line, and sinker. We bought it. Open sinker. The answer is 11 percent. 11. In 2017, 11 percent of millennials said that they never wanted to own a home, uh, and and guess what that percentage was in 2019. Oh, I don't know. If 11 was the highest, I guess you got to go eight. Seven percent. Seven. Okay. Now there obviously have been impediments to millennials owning homes. Yeah, that's a, yeah, of course. Debt, debt, school loans. They have, they have uh, you know. The price of housing is higher, yeah. so uh, owning homes is more expensive. It's more challenging for them, but the whole idea that they didn't want to own homes. Yeah, the desire part is is just wrong. Eleven never, versus forty yeah, or sixty. Never had any truth to it at all. No, so, no. That's uh, interesting. So, that, so I think that you know, be careful of what people say, and you know, be careful of who's saying it, because it was this was you know. Clearly, yeah. and it was all based on you know the people who were writing these articles were biased yeah they yeah they were the they were like the they were the people that they were talking about they were like you know i live in a urban core mm -hmm. where i can't afford a house because i want to live here because i yeah be, I, have, I will not walk more than a block to get my latte and avocado toast yeah right? so and therefore and all my friends are the same way so therefore everybody must be the same as right us, of course that's what we want but that was only for a very small slice of the millennial population that was you know very affluent mm -hmm. want to live in a city you know yeah. wanted to live have everything convenient for them that was all that they wanted and now what do we have well we have those same people because of covid rushing yep. out 
to buy homes yeah. you know, in the suburbs. Yeah, so, the, the, the number that I always appreciate, and this hasn't actually changed much, the average age of a first-time home buyer, do you know what that is? 30, average age. 30, 31. 31. Oh, 31 really? and a half, technically, is the average age. And if you look at the uh, demographics, the, the largest group of millennials are aging into the first-time homeowners right now. And actually, for the next two years, it will be higher. Yeah. And that's where I'm playing affordable housing, first time home buyer stuff. I mean, all the housing stock where I play can't be built for less than 300. Yeah. I'm buying older stock at 150 in renting. Cause again, the rents kind of rise as we talked about yeah. in episode one. So uh, it's a good time to be a single family landlord. Let me tell you. Yeah. And I I've noticed this too in upstate New York where, you know, anything that comes on the market under $200,000 gone. gone. It's, it goes from listed to pending like mm -hmm. right away and so, <laughs> yeah. because that that starter home segment of the market is really really tight right so the millennials are starting to buy homes now they it yes. took a little little while longer to get there because of the headwinds that they had yeah more debt higher prices but now they're you know they're ramping into like their prime earning years yeah they have more money and they're kids they're having they're kids, kids later need more space right? yeah there's nothing they had kids later right so this this is now we're on the we're on the, the precipice of like a major shift with that i agree shift, right so um so you know take all this with a grain of salt so another i mean you know take these things that you hear with a grain of salt so another interesting factual tidbit and i'm really curious to hear what you think this means because i i don't really know how to i haven't really spent enough time thinking about what what the implications of this are but i'm yeah. curious what you what you think so what do you think the, this is as of 2019, so maybe the last year has shifted this a little bit, but as of 2019, what was the median age of an American homeowner? So I would have guessed, I would have guessed this one, I think 45, 46 would have been the median. I think I saw this from yesterday. The average is like median was 57, I think. 57 years old is the median age. I would have guessed that one wrong as well. Yeah. So that means that half of all homeowners in America are over 57 years old. Yeah. Right? So that, that means half of all American homeowners are essentially eight years from retirement, right? And, yeah. and, and, and many of that, at least, right? And many of them are beyond that. They're retired already. Oh, for sure. Yeah, the median's 57, yeah. yeah. And I think as, and the baby, we're not still fully through the baby boom generation, right? So mm -hmm. I think that that's gonna rise. Although, like I said, the millennials buying homes in the last year may have, yeah, it'll be close. I don't think it'll move as much, but yeah. yeah. So but that's that, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. What is that? I'm curious what you think about what the implications of that statistic for uh, single family home investors. Yeah. So I've been thinking about that because you posted that yesterday, gave me a chance to think about it. So the first thing I think about is baby boomers are going to age in place a lot more than people say. Just like millennials will, will, uh, will never own. The other thing I hear about baby boomers is they're going to downsize, right? Baby boomers will downsize. I don't think that's going to happen nearly as quickly and nearly as, as many times as people are saying. I think it's one of those things that gets talked about that ain't going to happen. They like their space. Yeah. Sorry? No, I was going to say, why? Why do you think that? Well, I think, I think what's going to happen is the average baby boomer is a lot more mobile than the generation before, right? They're going to, they're, they want their backyards. They want this. They want the memories of their kids 
there. Now they're going to bring their grandkids and, and maybe they have to help their, their kids raise their, you know, their grandkids. Uh, I, I've seen in this time that, that people want space and they want the backyard and they'll get a dog or a couple of dogs. Um, I don't, I think the rush to live in a 55 and older community is greatly over, greatly exaggerated. Um, but people want their freedom. I mean, that's a, you know, that's a core of, of being American is freedom. So uh, I don't see them just dumping and, you know, I just don't see it happening. The other thing I think that's going to happen is I think we built a lot in the nineties and two thousands. We built what was called the McMansions. I think that stock's not going to age well. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's okay now. But when I fast forward a decade or so, that housing stock, the 4,000 square foot, you know, three ACs, you know, to keep it cool. I don't think that ages very well, right? Yeah. I think there's a, a more, I think as generations move on, there's, it's, it's, I don't know if I want to call it minimalism, but certainly not exaggerate or, or being exaggerated. Yeah. So I think a lot of the housing stock that was built for 20 years is, is it's not going to age well. Um, so those are, those are a couple of things I think about. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I think, um, and families are getting smaller, right? And and so um, yeah. I think there's that. But um, I, I think also the baby boomer generation, you know, to your point about people aging in place, I think the baby boomer generation is a lot more resistant to the idea that they're old. Like oh, they, amen. They, yes. You know what I mean? Like they don't <laughs> want to ad, admit that they're old or like they don't, 60s to the new 40. Yeah, they don't feel old, right? Yeah. And good for and, them. And they're and, and they're probably they're in well, maybe they're in better health, maybe maybe not. I think I think as an average, they're in a better health than previous generations. I would hope that continues. I mean, yeah. Obesity is more of a problem, but on the other hand, like they seem to be more mobile, right? They're they're living longer, they're mm -hmm. working longer, they're yeah, for sure. They're 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 continuing to be active and they don't want to they're they're not like in that like hey i'm retired i got my gold watch yeah I'm moving, life is over i'm moving to florida you know yeah. to play golf and sit by the pool like to them that sounds like a death sentence yeah so, exactly it's a death sentence yeah. yeah so they don't want to admit that they're old and i think people who are going to be moving into like these senior communities more reluctantly oh, absolutely else, right um now some people will be i i have you know been talking to some investors who uh, who are looking at the um, the issue of baby boomers not having saved enough for retirement, right? And that and the only thing that they have may be their house. True. So one thing that I think could happen is you may see baby boomers looking to liquidate those houses and downsize, not because they need less space, but because they got to free up that cash. And for then, sure. That's going to be, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then what's going to happen is I think some of them, like with McMansions that, you know, Gen Xers and millennials don't really want, mm -hmm. you know, not, not just because of the cost of operation, but also because of just like the style, they're just out of style and you can't mm -hmm. really like renovate them at the same no. Like it's a McMansion. It's always going to be a McMansion. Yeah, it's always going to be big. Yeah. It's always going to be big and it's always going to have like those architectural features that are just way dated and out of mm -hmm. style. And, uh, and, you know, so I, I think that you could wind up in a situation where people have houses that they really can't sell or they can't sell them for what they thought they were going to get for them. And that, that may keep them there. Maybe they're going to Maybe. stay, they're going to hold out even longer because they can't, but if, but if they need to free up cash, you know, I, I, I think yeah. 
the thing the thing that concerns me for baby boomers just when you kind of look out over the next decade my baby boomers disproportionately have benefited from the stock market rise right it's 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 mathematically true but if we were if you know as baby boomers get set to retire and if there is a unfortunate recession or crash or correction or whatever you want to call it when they're looking to get out they may they may turn to their house because their 401k is a 201k as the first thing to liquidate right you know so it's it's very interesting times yeah i mean look there's also another there's another theory that says just as the baby boomers uh you know when they start to have to draw down those 401ks it's going to cause the stock market yeah i've heard that if not crash just flat yeah because people are just going to be pulling money out of the market yeah they're going they're turning the cash yep yeah so but um so then okay so there's another then thing in the in this report which uh i thought was very interesting is that um and and again we'll see sort of did covid change this or Mm -hmm. is this precisely is this the same group of people that then has now been buying houses, but the rent in rentals, mm-hmm. the majority of the growth of the renter class has been high income renters. That's interesting. Yeah, that is the fastest growing class of renters. Um, and as a result, you know, what you, you also see, and, I, and there's chicken and egg thing here, everything that's being built is being built for those renters right now. Right more people renting because that's all that you know that's available or people building it because that, that's who the renters are or you know but the the point is that this millennial generation mm-hmm. in particular you know has all these headwinds to home ownership because of the cost of it yeah they've been renting longer than they intended to so that's the fastest growing group of, of renters and uh, more of the people with sort of like the the demographics of homeowners high income with children mm-hmm. are renting than ever before. Yeah. But I wonder where that's sort of where that's going because, you know, yeah, that's the, that's the one group and it kind of ties back to how you open this. That, that's the one group that I think is going to prove to have changed in COVID. I think a lot of this survey again, from the joint center of housing studies holds, I'm thinking if we tie the bump up in home ownership with work from home or work from anywhere kind of mindset, I'm hoping those, and again, I'll just call them class A urban renters. At least we saw that in San Francisco. They're like, I'm out, right? Rents went down 30 or 40 percent, and they're and they just bought homes. I, I think that happened. Well, I don't know what happened in San Francisco, but in New York, what you saw is those people coming back. Actually. Not yet in San Francisco. I do. New York is coming back for sure. I've been talking about that the last week or so. Yeah, um, New York. They've been coming back. Yeah, and, and the interesting thing is that you know what. I was, I think the economists had an article about this this week when they were talking about this big, you know, urban exodus, what, what really happened. Mm-hmm. Well, most of the people who bought stayed in the area. So they just, they didn't leave the Metro. Like they didn't go from New York to Florida or right. Atlanta, right? I mean, some of them did, but, but by and large, what they did was they just moved out to the suburbs. Yeah. Right? They went out an hour. Yeah. Right. But then also a lot of people tried to do that and couldn't because there was a huge <laughs> housing. I mean, everybody was trying to buy a house. Most yep. people couldn't. So they just had to stay, right? Mm-hmm. They rented in the suburbs and they're like, I don't really like this. Yeah. So they just went back. Now they're all moving back to the city. Um, so, but you still have the same problems where, like, you know, when you build apartments, right? Basically the units that you're building 
are primarily one and two bedroom apartments. Yes. And when you're Primarily, building yeah. rental, rentals, right? Condos are different. But if you're building rentals, you're you're building ones and twos and maybe some threes, but like it's not really cost effective on a square foot basis to build three bedroom apartments or four bedroom apartments. So they really don't get built, right? And so people who are renting still have the same problem where they're they don't have enough space. Right. Even if they've moved out to the suburbs and maybe the apartment itself is a little bit right. bigger than they'd have in like a downtown urban core, they're still, they may have like two kids in a two bedroom apartment. Right. And it's just not enough space for them. Everybody's yeah. at each other's throats. So they still want to move out to a house. Right. So I think that, you know, we're going to see. And now, you know, another thing that's happened is after years and years of, of new construction not keeping up with. The growth in demand we've now seen it catch up and it's maybe even exceeding it there's a record number yeah i saw that permits for apartments this year right they also tend to be the same places right i mean yeah. so what's interesting is that with the herd mentality that we talked about in the earlier segment i mean this was this was astonishing a few years ago where 50 percent of all new apartments being constructed in the united states were being constructed in just 12 submarkets around the yep. country, right? Now that has probably changed somewhat, but I'm willing to bet money. I haven't seen any stats. I don't really know where to find them, but that there's still a high degree of concentration oh, for sure. of, of new development. And which is when we talked in the previous segment about uh, where the opportunity is now, as I see it, uh, don't worry about a lot of new construction being built in like a small town where you might be thinking of investing. That's not where it's getting built. Not going to happen. Maybe, yeah. Maybe a little bit, but there, that's not where the massive amounts of new development are happening. They're happening in those markets where everybody is, you know, is going to invest. So, mm -hmm. um, so that doesn't change things, <clears throat> but there's a record number of, of apartments being built right now, most since the 1970s. Wow. Um, the last big major construction boom in in uh, in apartments to, to accommodate the baby boomers right yep. so um so that's that's kind of like where the where the market is so I'll very cool that. that's yeah that's folks do yourself a favor check out joint center of housing studies i need to sign up for that this sounds like they put out a lot of great details jonathan what's the name of your facebook group that people need to join it is the multifamily investment community uh you can easily search it on facebook it is spam free hmm. Easy chain free, BS free, just education. Uh, there are three questions you have to answer to get into the group. And Facebook only shows them on a computer. So please, the first time you go to the group, do it on a computer. Uh, and then after that, you can use your phone. Very cool, Jonathan. Thanks for all you do, man. Take care. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Uh -huh. Bye.